put him in the aisle. It's a shotgun snap. Final play of the game. Ron waiting for the wideouts to get downfield. Launches the throw down toward the goal line. Going up. Ball tipped in the air. Touchdown. Jordan Westerkamp. Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest. Back to throw is Martinez. Now being chased, throws it out. A flat Burkhead makes a catch. Sits a tackle. 25 20, 15 10, 5. Rex Burkhead. Touchdown, Nebraska. Okie dokie. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us here on Church of the Corn. We are glad to have everybody the day after the spring game. And we got the, uh, we got Drake and Zach. Drake, what's up, bud? Not much, buddy. How are you? I'm I'm doing fabulous. That was my great intro from you. I've been working on it all day. Can you tell? Yeah, clearly. It was it was really good. So, um, how's the weekend been, my man? It's been good. It's been good. Um, you know, finalizing some uh, some things for for the upcoming wedding. So, so I know you're busy with that. You got got all yeah. that fun stuff going on because that's here in less than a month, isn't it? Uh, two weeks from yesterday. So we are 13 days out. Man, it, you can tell that I have not looked at that invitation once, even though I RSVP'd <laughs> to it already. So, <laughs> no, I RSVP'd for you. Uh, yeah, well, you know, by proxy, it's a good thing we had that conversation last week. <laughs> oh, yeah, clearly. Man. Well, we all we all know what we're going to talk about today because it was the big thing this weekend was the spring game. You got a chance to go down to the spring game, didn't you? Uh, I was in Lincoln. I did not go to the game, actually. Uh, I'll be honest. I was dragged down. Um, That's okay. I know this is sa- sacrilegious to say as a Nebraska fan and a fan podcast host, but um, I think the spring game's a little over oversold around here, partly because uh, it, it is a glorified practice. Um, you can't really put a measuring stick to it in comparison to other teams. Well, to so you be can, fair, it is the one game we knew Nebraska was going to win this year. So, Yes, that, that is accurate. Now, there are some parallels that you can draw about how the team may or may not look in the future, which I appreciate. Um, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe when I have kids, I'll feel different about going down to the spring game. But um, it, it's just not it for me. But, you know, I've been very vocal about this. I don't like going into Memorial Stadium, period, um, as a slightly abnormally large human being. It is not comfortable for me. So, Yeah, because, you know, six foot five guys grow on trees. So that's what we got to try and make the stands, you know, situated for you people. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess my thing with the spring game, I get where you're coming from with it. My thing about it is I'm just kind of happy to be back. Uh, it gives me some football that I'm I'm used to watching and some of the guys that we're used to watching and talking to and different things like that. So I think it's just cool to be back in the stadium, but putting that other spin on it, it is just practice. Um, and for the most part, I don't know. Is it fair to call it a pretty sloppy practice from what we saw? Yeah. Um, but I think that, I think yesterday, points to a lot of concerns that we're still going to have. And 
that that mainly is just depth, right? Like when you get into those third and fourth string guys. Yeah. um, Now, I think it's also fair to say that this team in spring ball hasn't totally been focusing on the system as much as it has been fundamentals, mindset, things like that. So this spring game is really hard for me to fully, fully understand everything, in my opinion. Yeah, I think this spring game, if nothing else, was to kind of show us what the um, this may sound corny, but what the culture is going to be for the team. Like, what are the expectations from the coaching staff to the players and players to the coaching staff? I think that's the one thing that I'm kind of taking out of it is it was a practice. It wasn't a great practice, although we did see a lot of really good things. So I don't want to completely shit on the, the spring game. It was just a brand new team to a brand new coaching staff trying to put everything together in front of 65,000 people for the first time. I mean, that's not easy to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, there were, there were some good things out there. Um, there was a lot of good things I say, but you know, like we were saying before, had a lot of good, but a lot of bad, but yeah, as rule said, this is still a four and 18. Yeah. I, I was very impressed with the defense from, a variety of spots um you know you got some true freshmen in there making some noise making some plays uh but i was just i was really impressed with the aggressiveness in space um and thankfully it looks like we are not going to just be giving up easy 10 yard passes consistently anymore you know that's drove me crazy for years is just a snap throw and easy five to 10 yards every time. Uh, I like, I like being up in press coverage a little bit more and, and, you know, putting the pressure on an offensive line to have to protect a quarterback for a while. Yeah, that was that. That's one thing I got to say about the defense. That was super fun to watch. So I went down to the spring game. So I watched from the stands. um, And then I watched it again today. Just as I was saying, you get one view from the stands, you get another view from actually watching the the, the film at home. So one thing that I was really happy about with that defense is granted uh, white has ran a three, three, five in quotations. There were very few times you actually seen a three down lineman without a fourth guy setting up on the edge or setting up an a gap B gap to shoot that gap. Like you didn't see that traditional odd front, which was great to Mm -hmm. see Um, because a lot of the guys that you've seen on that front, like Rollins um, tag of like those are guys that are, Decent sized guys, but in the Big Ten, oh, that, that that gives you a little bit of cause for concern in in the in the trenches, just because those aren't those aren't three hundred pound guys. Yeah, those aren't three no, thirty pound guys. But I don't know if that's what the de- defense necessarily wants, so either. I mean, it's great in the Big Ten to anchor, but the Big Ten is not three yards in a cloud of dust anymore either. No, it is not. I think I don't know how I want to how I want to say this here. I really feel like this defense is going, is it going to mirror like a new England Patriots style defense when they were at the top of their game, probably closer to that or a high end Wisconsin defense over the last decade where, 
you know, you may have a three-man front or you you may have a two-man front or a four-man front. You don't really know, but there's going to be a lot of guys huddled around that line of scrimmage, and you don't know who's coming and who's not, which oh, I really dude, like. That was the funnest part about watching that defense was just mm-hmm. so much confusion movement. Like, I ain't going to lie. That got me excited to watch that defense, just seeing these guys move around. And it's little things, but just the aggression. At one point, they had seven guys into or on the line or getting into the backfield on a uh, play in the third quarter, I believe it was. Yeah. They no, were aggressive in spring game even. Yeah, and there's one play that sticks out very early on to me. Um, Jeff Sims on a read option. And against a traditional defense, he made the right read and he kept it. But it it did it ended up being like a six-yard loss because he made he made the read on on the handoff guy, but he did not see everything else going on on the play, which the I, I, behind I him. love that. Yeah. Um it it's just a hard look for an offense. Um, and you know, I I was not high on this, just like I wasn't necessarily high on rule at the time of the hire. Uh, but they're showing me things that are are making me totally rethink how I view the game of football, which which I love. So I gotta ask you a question then, because I, I know neither one of us were necessarily high on rule when he was hired. We've both really come around completely, just seeing what he's done and different things like that. So you you mentioned when Tony White was brought on because he did he does run the three through five from uh Syracuse. What were some of the reasons that you were kind of out on maybe not necessarily out, but kind of second guessing the three three five coming to Nebraska? Um a, a couple things. One, we we have failed to get generate any real push from from a defensive line. And you know, s- going back to year three of Mike Riley, we've always kind of been in a three-man front. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we ran a three-four previously. Because that was under uh, Diaco, wasn't it? Or was because yeah, Banker, yeah. Banker was an even front, I believe. Yeah, Banker was a was a four-three. Diaco went three-four. Um, Shenander was a three-four guy as well. And, you know, we, we've had a couple of good linebackers that could, you know, come down and, and add that fourth guy or bring backside pressure. Um, but at the same time, we just – we never were really able to control the line of scrimmage in any way. And a huge part of that was our linebackers always played too deep. Um, we were never crowding the line of scrimmage. And when I think of three three five, I think of that same thing. But then – I can go back to Bo Pelini, like the three three five also is built off of freak athletes and hybrid guys, similar to, you know, Eric Hag and Dijon Gomes, who were you know, safeties. Defense. Yeah, that could that were safeties that could come up and play, you know, a, a spot linebacker or something like that. And I just go back to the Big Ten championship game where those guys weren't big enough to attack a tight end or a lineman on a jet sweep. Or and they were not fast enough to keep containment on that jet sweep too, um, so they were they were tweeners, but they were not the right tweeners. So mm-hmm. th- those were all the things that just kind of kind of worried me about it. Um, I don't know. I that this probably goes down a whole nother rabbit hole that w- that we could do a whole nother podcast on on just my fears of of having a having smaller fronts in the Big Ten. See, and and I, I like where your mindset is because I think if this was the Big Ten of 10 years ago, I'd 100% agree with you. Even going against Michigan, I feel like the 3-3-5 is going to have a bit of problems just because 
they've got the Joe Moore. I think it's the Joe Moore um, offensive line or a, a Joe Moore trophy. Jesus Christ. Um, which is offensive lineman of the year or offensive line of the year. Like going against them, that's going to be rough unless you are able to do something like TCU did where you're able to really kind of confuse that offensive line. But even mm-hmm. then, that, that's tough to do. I just like the that it takes advantage of the athletes that Nebraska's got on the um, that side of the ball. You do got a lot of tweeners. Um, I mean, Buddha Wright, I consider even Gifford like a little bit of a tweener. Um, Jamari Butler on, Butler on the line. Exactly. Like this is the, I really do feel like this is the most talented, potentially edge room um, defensive line that they've had in a while that's actually able to get pressure because the body types have been so different in the last, this recruiting cycle in the last. Like there's some, freaky long dudes that they brought in yeah absolutely and at the same time you are also going to have uh how do i want to say this they're going to be coached differently like we could theoretically be running the same exact system that we were running prior the difference is we are going to put an emphasis on getting to the quarterback and stopping that run at one to two yards and hopefully getting them in the backfield. Whereas previously it was much more of a, Hey, ben let's just break. slow everything down. So let me ask you, cause we, we mentioned a lot of edge rushers and a lot of defensive linemen. Can you say Prince Will's full name five times fast? I can't say it one time. I'm not even going to pretend I can. So I think I got, it. I've been practicing all day. It's Prince Will Uman Mielin, I believe it is. So, uh, the reason I wanted to bring that up, not because I wanted us both to really struggle with uh, pronouncing <laughs> a name, but also that kid is a fucking stud. That kid's going to be a freak. Yeah, um, no, he he looked the part <laughs> yesterday. It was so fun watching, like shot out of a can, like him and MJ Sherman. Uh, those two dudes being brought to that defense, it made it a lot more fun to watch just because you had some actual athletes out there. Mm-hmm. just breaking through the line. And, and I gotta say the offensive line had a pretty good day overall. Yeah. They didn't look as inept as I expected them to. Now there's obviously still a ton of work to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't pay enough attention to the rotations there, but um, I felt like with Harburg, there was pressure the whole time. Uh, Harburg didn't impress me from a statistical point of view. He did impress me with his abil- his pocket presence. Not taking very many sacks um, when he should have been sacked and getting those passes off, even though they weren't completed. He did a good job of not compounding the bad play. So here's my thing about Harburg. And I know like he's a Nebraska kid. I was talking to the wife about him in the stands. So I, I was watching him today, and I had to write some thoughts down because – what I wrote down was he's a he's really good at running the ball. He's a big, strong kid, which we knew. We knew that coming mm-hmm. in. Um, that's what he was really good at. But it doesn't look like he's naturally throwing the ball. It almost looks like he's trying to place the ball into a certain spot, which is why you see, and especially like on that two-point conversion. Granted, Sims still caught – or um, not Sims, but uh, Kemp still caught it in the end zone, but he caught it and had to go all the way and basically scoop it up off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um he missed a flag route, and I believe it was the first quarter. The receiver broke, and if 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 uh, Harburg would have seen that and just put some air under it, it's a it's a going away touchdown. So a couple things. 
but also he's a very inexperienced kid. I mean, this is, he hasn't had a quarterback coach legitimately until this year in college. Like we can't expect him to make night and day jumps. Yeah, no, I, I still think there's a future for him at quarterback. Uh, I, you can convince me after a full off season this summer working with uh, Satterfield, he's a legitimate number two. Now, is he number two on this team? Probably not because you have two power five starters. Exactly. But That's where I was going with it is I think he's, he's battling for number three this year and then next year battling for that one, two spot. Yeah. I, I think there is a spot on this team for him to compete for that, for that spot. And that's if he stays at quarterback, you know, there's a ton of talk about him moving to tight end, whatever. I do think he is a legitimate power five quarterback. If some, if somebody can develop him, um, he's got tools, he's got a strong arm. He doesn't really make bad reads. Um, he's just, he's got some development and he knew that coming in and we all knew that coming in and to sit here and pretend like we didn't know that would be a lie. So let me ask you a question then. So I want to kind of compare him to a quarterback that was a little bit more or higher rated uh, for a uh, another Big Ten team. He kind of reminds me a lot of Will Levis when he got to Penn State, not being um, being a great athlete, tremendous athlete, but really needing someone to work on the mechanics with him, whether it be throwing his footwork, just a lot of the, the small things of playing quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of what Harburg reminds me of. You've seen what uh, Levis is doing now. He's, he's projected as a top five pick in the NFL. Like when you get the right quarterback coach to work with a quarterback, tremendous things happen. That's, that's yep. what Harburg reminds me of is Levis. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think Levis was definitely more polished coming in. Uh, but I think Harburg has more natural gifted tools, if, if that makes he's sense. Got a, he's got a rocket attached to his shoulders, and I mean, he's a tremendous yeah. athlete. Yeah, he's. He, I think he's a superior athlete to, That's to fair. Levis. And I don't I, want I to just, compare that saying Harburg's going to be a top five pick. But let's get that. Clear. No, but just no, 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 athleticism wise. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's an apt comparison. Um, you know who I was thinking of. And I just had this conversation about him today. Another Michigan quarterback uh, transferred to Arkansas. I can't think of his name. Oh, uh, Ryan Mallett. Yeah, much like Ryan Mallett. Big kid, strong. Now, again, more athletic than Mallett, but mm-hmm. has the uh, physical arm talent that Mallett had. Um, and Mallett was a project even when when he got to the pros. Didn't yeah, really I work mean, out for him. But. That's why he went in the fourth. I mean, is he had the tools. He's got the arm. He seemingly had the football IQ. He just could never put it together on the field. Well, that and he um, – Back you then, know, Tom Brady. Well, that and he missed a, a, a plane for a road trip. You can't do that when you work for Bill Belichick. That doesn't seem no. like it's a great idea. Yeah. But similar comparison, uh, especially from a size standpoint. Mallet was huge. Absolutely. I mean – there are, I, they actually did a study. If it was a quarterback that's six foot seven or taller, their odds of being a successful NFL quarterback were almost nil. And in, in six foot, it's six and under, there's a lot more um, ability to be successful. But yeah, it's, it, it doesn't look good for those giant guys, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, Sorry, Drake. the only, the only comparison that, I, that we really have in recent memory, and, and you're going to have another one here soon, is that kid from Utah. But other than him is Brock Osweiler, who 
Oswald. Yeah, yeah. I have a soft spot for Brock. I think if Is Brock it ended like up Twilight? in <laughs> Yep. No, if <laughs> I, I still think if Brock ended up in the right system with the right staff, he could have been a successful NFL quarterback. He wouldn't he wouldn't have been as successful as like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he, he could have been a decent NFL quarterback, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, that's another guy who um, I believe he started at Arizona State quite a few games, and, you know, he, he had the tools. But, yeah, when you go to the Broncos, usually it's not a good fit for a quarterback unless you're Peyton Manning. Yeah, and then he ended up in Houston too, so. That's very true, and that's also the way to end your career. Um, well, speaking about that, um, a guy that transferred into Nebraska, Billy Kemp. He's Billy – Billy he, looked good. He looked very good. Um, he's a guy I'm excited. For. I think that's WR number one. Um, the number one. The, the only thing I'm concerned with is I like him being out there on special teams. I just hope it's not a every every time around kind of thing because I, I I love what he can do on the offensive side of the ball. I feel like you got enough enough athletes that you can make that work on special teams with him not being there. Yeah, I I can see that. For me, it. I want the best the best man out there all the time. Um, you know, I can go back across a couple of generations of Nebraska football, and our most electric guy did start at, at a position. You know, DeMorne Pearsonell, multi-year starter at wide receiver. Uh, Dewan Gross, multi-year starter at corner. Like, yeah, that's a dangerous position. But think about, and I know Nebraska is the worst team to compare this to, because of how often we're complaining about this, but these guys aren't getting hit like they used to on in the return game because true. very true. Specialists are limited. You got the halo return. rule. You've got a lot of different rules now that protect. Yeah, returners. you got the halo rule, but you know, specialists are are more worried about hang time and not allowing you to get the chance to return it. So I want him back there every every time if he's the best man for the job simply because that one time that he's going to get the chance to return it, if he's not there, we miss a chance for an explosive play. That's fair. And and Nebraska is not a team. See how quickly you change, got me to change my opinion there. Nebraska is not a team that's the past few years had the ability to pass up anything on any side of the ball that gets you any sort of momentum. So I guess that does make a lot more sense to have him out there and- every chance you get. What I'll tell you, too, is here's another thing to think about. He is going to, in theory, he should get way more opportunities to return balls than the guys the last five years because we should be, like, hopefully we'll be forcing more punts from the other 30 Mm -hmm. as opposed to the 45. Yeah, uh, it's, if you can start to win the field position battle, Nebraska the last few years looks very different. And that's one thing that I was really happy with, um, just not venturing off too much, but how the game was played was they did a lot to get into third and manageable. Once they got into Mm -hmm. third and manageable, for the most part, you've seen pretty calculated play call that was just designed to get you a first down. Okay, let's keep this drive going. Like That wasn't what we've seen in the past was an organized plan of attack on offense and or defense. It, It was nice to see an organized and Grant, we still had a long way to go. It was nice to see an organized scheme and uh, plan that you could tell that they wanted to do. Yeah, it didn't look like we were just throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks. Um, you know who did impress me yesterday? 
while while we're on this topic, at least early on, uh, Chuba Purdy did not look completely inept. He he looked serviceable. Um, I still think he is way outside of the conversation. But absolutely, that yeah. <laughs> if he if he got thrown into a game, I wouldn't. If he got thrown into a game for whatever reason early on this year, um, in a close game, I wouldn't feel terrified. Maybe maybe that's my belief in an offensive system. Finally, maybe well, it wasn't it's... like it was last year when you had a quarterback get thrown in. You're like, oh god, we can't even move the fucking ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's still going to be a plan to protect him and limit his exposure. Uh, at at least that's what it appears like to us right now. And and there should be like I mean, granted, you don't want these guys full green jersey in in spring, so they're not taking any sort of physicality or contact. But we also can't take the quarterback's head off because we're we know the last few years have not been kind to the quarterback position health wise. Um, so it, it it'll be good to have a actually healthy healthy quarterback room once everyone's healthy. Fingers crossed. Um, so and speaking of that, you you've got athletes all over the quarterback position. If you had to put a number on it, what number would you be okay with the quarterbacks running on designed runs? Not scrambles, but designed runs every game. Because I got I, I got a I got a range, but it's a damn close range. I I want to see. Okay, what? Hold on, I'm I'm going to build a caveat into here because that's who I am. That's who you are as a person. Yes, I got that. Are we teaching our quarterbacks to slide? Or are they trying to take hits, too? Let's go off of what we've seen yesterday where we had quarterbacks taking hits, too, because I did not see a whole lot of sliding. Yeah. If if they're taking hits, I don't want to see any more than 10 designed runs. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, I think – And that I doesn't include scrambles. Into... That's just designed quarterback yeah, runs, yeah. zone reads and such. I, I think when we get into the season, we're going to see guys like – especially Jeff Sims, mm-hmm. um, they're going to be told, hey, you know, after you get three, four yards, if there's a ton of guys coming, you, you got to get down. Slide, get down. Mm-hmm. So now, I'm a, if we, if we get to seven. slides, yeah, if, if we get to slides, then I'm okay with, you know, maybe 12 to 15. Um, I also, like from a scramble standpoint, I think this scramble is going to be a lot similar to last year where these guys are just going to be taught Keep the play alive. Don't go take an unnecessary hit. Um, if you have to throw it away, throw it away. Like, I don't think we're going to scramble for a ton of yards unless it's wide open. Yeah, I, it's, and Sims, to me, definitely has the leg up on just about everyone except Harburg there, I believe. Um, I think we may see a little bit more quarterback run out of him than Thompson. But, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a 4-7 to seven, uh, design quarterback run a game guy. Any more than that. You're taking carries away from your running backs, your your wide receivers. If you're doing any um, fly sweeps, I just don't want to see those guys take any more shots than they have to. Health hasn't been on the side of Nebraska lately, so if yeah. you include scrambles in there, man, ideally no more than probably twelve a game. But uh, anything over ten really starts to make you feel a little iffy because they're still taking shots even when they're not running the ball. Now here here's the other thing to think about there too, like. Do they build in packages for a guy like Logan Smothers and Heinrich Harburg to, you know, get some more QB run action, um, similar to what Florida did with Tim Tebow early on? 
if, if they do that, you know that that changes the numbers, right? Oh yeah, of course. Then you have you, to you, audible it. You want so Sam, you want Sims at twelve carries or less in total. Yep. But from the whole quarterback room, I could see twenty if we're throwing in another guy to go take some of those hits. Yeah, if you're doing just like they did with Leak and Tebow back in the day, if if Harburg's coming in for five plays a game and taking five, you know, quarterback powers off left guard or right guard, and then you've got Sims taking whatever or Thompson taking whatever. Yeah. You're going to have to augment that to 15 to 20 a game. I would say. Yeah. And, and I, for once, I finally feel like this staff will build some packages for some of those guys that can be dangerous in certain situations. Um, I, they just seem so much more calculated than, than the last eight years. Yeah, it was nice. I, I said this uh, as in the stands as well. It was nice seeing Coach Rule. I believe he called a timeout in the third quarter, I think it was. And he was pretty frustrated with the offense. I think it was a false start or something like that. He called the timeout. You've seen him go over to the, the, the team, huddle him up. And I don't want to say rip into him, but go into instant coaching mode right there. Like, it was good to see the coach on the sideline care as much as I do in the stands about what I'm seeing in front of me because – if it's frustrating for me, it better goddamn well be frustrating for you as a coach. Right. Um, yeah. Um, I was not I was not thrilled with the amount of false starts I saw yesterday. I saw one on the opening drive. And that's just like so typical of the last decade. Yeah, it's it's the little things that end up beating you more than the big things. And we've seen that. Like it's it's not Nebraska hasn't lost games by 21 points lately. They're losing games by three points, seven points, six points. It's because you're letting yourself shoot yourself in the foot every way possible, especially when a game mm-hmm. gets close. Yeah, no, totally agree. So it, it's good to have a, a head guy that's, I don't know, I feel like kind of got his head on straight and and and, and dealing in the minutes as opposed to the, the big things. Yeah. What was your biggest surprise, like pleasant surprise yesterday? Oh, you know, I got to say I was really – I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball because I was – I don't want to say blown away by the defensive side of the ball because it's still practice. But I was really pleased with what i seen with Sherman. Sherman looked fast. Um, yes. He looked every bit as good as as advertised coming from Georgia. Um, on the defensive line, I did like Tagovailoa, Rollins, and I even like seeing Noonan out there. That dude was getting after it. Like he, he's going to have some chances this year. As long as these guys can hold up somewhat against the run, they're going to have chances to get after the passer. Yep. Um, and then, you know, I really liked seeing Hartzog. He he was a guy that was, wasn't really heralded in the recruiting class last year, but worked his way into a starter role and was physical last year. And he's really he's really grown on like that too. Some that cornerback is nasty. And then Collier. Collier in the secondary, like that dude's just always around the ball. I was really yeah. impressed with those guys. I, I was just super impressed with ball pursuit overall. Like they were they were all over the place. It was it was kind of fun to watch. Like you knew yeah. you were gonna get eleven hats to the ball. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um I didn't I didn't get to watch it as closely as I wish I would have, but I was also impressed with um the running back room as a whole. Yeah, very much was... north and very much north and south. Um Bonner taking the first carry as a fullback for seven yards looked good. Um, He's really growing yeah. into that role a lot better than I thought he was going to. Yeah, it's it's like he might more be that H back than like I when they said that they were converting him to an H back, I thought it was going to be more like, 
hey, we're going to try and get you on a slow linebacker and get you in space. Yep, that's I did what not I expect. Too. I did not expect carries up the middle, and uh, he looked good. He runs hard. He runs uh, hard, and he secures the ball, which is one of the big things we were complaining about earlier. Yeah, no, for sure. I was I was very impressed with Bonner. What did you think of uh, um, a guy that we had on here, Ramir? It wasn't it? It was good to see him get some uh, some play time and some snaps. Like in space, he's a dangerous cat. Yeah, man, that that's been my guy for three years, right? Like I've been I've been waving the flag for for Ramir for a long time. I I think he's been one of the most underappreciated guys on this roster for several years. Um, even like he's so small and even when he gets hit at the line of scrimmage, he still managed a way to, you know, work for an extra yard or two, sometimes three, four. I, I, I love Ramir. Um, I hope he's able to carve, carve out some, some serious playing time this year. I, I really do think that running back room is, is very talented and it could be hard for him, but I think he gives you an element that none of the other backs give. I, I, I think he's one of the best pass protecting running backs. I think he's definitely the best, best cat pass catching running back. Um, you know, Anthony Grant looked good yesterday in terms of going north and south instead of east and west. Mm-hmm. Ramirez always looked good going north and south. That that's been my complaint on Anthony Grant the last cup the last season. Um I I don't know. Gabe Irvin looked really good yesterday, and Gabe Irvin is how do I say this? Like I don't dislike Gabe Irvin, but he's my least favorite of those of those top four. Yeah, I, I remember. The, well, so the last time we really seen him when he had full, we'll say when he was fully healthy as freshman year, like he looked like he was, he had a different, uh, he was missing that extra gear. Like it looks like he could get to the line and then get you, he almost that old Big Ten kind of running back. I'll get you three yards, but that's all you're going to get. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he lacked the explosibility that we had seen. And We've seen the workout takes with him in the offseason. It's going through PT and different stuff like that. Like he's an explosive kid. Like I just would like to see it a little bit more. And I think we've seen it a little bit um yesterday. To me, he looked a little bit better than AJ Allen did, honestly. Yeah, I thought AJ had a rough day um yesterday. Not not like bad, but no, it, it just was not wasn't his, his performance. Exactly. Yeah. It was it was not tough to watch, but like you could tell. I'm hoping the weather had a lot to do with what we've seen in some instances yesterday. Just bodies. Yeah, for stuff. sure. Um, you know, and we've seen a couple of videos out of camp with AJ getting harped on pretty heavily by the staff. Um, I, it, for all I, for all we know though, AJ could just be a gamer because he never looked bad last season when he was out there. Right. So no, he was able he to could, get yards and pick them up. Yeah, he could just flat out be a gamer, um, and I know that's a, a shitty excuse, but there are some guys that are just like shit. <laughs> yeah, they they really are. You know, um, I had a lot of teammates in college that and high school that were just awful in practice, but on Friday and Saturday night during during a game when the lights were on and the and the band was playing and the crowd was there, I I could count on them to do their job um, more so than guys that practice unbelievably throughout the week. I thought practice was the most important thing, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> if I it, let me get your your top 
top three running backs then going into summer? Who who would your top three be? I, I'm going to go AJ one, Ramir two, and Grant three, and, and they're all one A through one C. Like any one of them could start, and I I wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, out of those three, I, I would probably I have Grant the lowest just because of what I've seen from him on tape going east and west so much last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of that was he just felt he needed to do more. Uh, Seemed like always trying to break the big run at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. It you know we we watched him commit a murder last year. Like <laughs> that's he, very true. He might be the most physical. And he's not the biggest out of those three. Um, he's definitely the most explosive. I just, I really love Ramir because I feel like Ramir gives you the most. But based off of what this offense wants to do, he might not give you the most at that, which mm-hmm. doesn't give him a leg up. Yeah, I think more on that that spread where you utilize the running backs a lot more in the passing game, that's a little bit more where Ramir is is – going to thrive I, I feel like there's definitely a niche for him in this offense it's just more of that kind of that third down slot back kind of yeah kind of exactly exactly but but, I but mean, he can definitely take carries and he can take oh, absolutely. the middle i mean he showed that against big 10 competition like he can go against some big 10 defenses he did it against michigan and do very well like the, the ability is not the problem it's being 170 pounds at five foot eight durability is a little bit of an issue at that point yeah for sure for sure and trust from the staff uh and i don't i don't think that's a problem anymore i think that that's a previous problem yeah um so before we move on to anything else i was at machachos yesterday and there was a, a i think it was a father and a son that they were having lunch and uh we started talking and we brought up bryce benhart and you know, we've all killed Ben Hart for play and different things like that. You name it, we've we've done it. But it was a quote that he had brought up. Uh, he was asked, I believe, and he said that it's nice to finally have a coach that has my back. Man, to, <laughs> to me, that says a lot. Like when a guy comes out and just flat ass says it, like to me, that says a lot. Yeah, no doubt. I mean – Man, that, it, it's that's tough brutal to, honesty. <laughs> yeah, it, it's tough to hear that from former players, right? Or cur- even current, current players about yeah. a former coach. Um, and I don't know who that falls on. I don't know if that's head coach, OC, O line coach. Like, obviously, it's not the O line coach because he's the only one still there. But it, it had to go above him. It's just wow. It's yeah, kind of shocking it's to hear. Really, without diving too far into it. Um, just because we've kind of taken the uh, the approach of not continuing to go down that road. Yeah, we don't want to continue. It doesn't. It doesn't but... surprise me that 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 that's a mindset after some of the things that we've heard, um, both from players, from people involved. Um, you know, there's there's an article out there that I've referenced a couple of times where it seemed like the, the last head guy felt that everybody had turned on him, including his former teammates who really wanted to support him. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, the me against the world uh, shtick does work, but you can't pick an enemy everywhere you go. 
Um, there's right. not always someone that's against you. And there were a lot of people that wanted to see things thrive and succeed, but we'll move on from that. Cause we don't need to harp on that too much. Um, I just kind of want to bring up the Ben Hart thing because it was, it was a conversation I had. And it was interesting to get other people's points of view on it too. Yeah. Let me ask you this uh, moving away from Nebraska. What has been the, have you watched any other spring games? Um, I watched Ohio State spring game, watched some of uh, Wisconsin's, a little bit of Minnesota's. Um, I think those are the ones I've caught so far. Okay. Uh, I didn't watch any of Colorado's yesterday. I didn't either. I, I've, I've seen some I've clips. I've seen some clips. I get um, Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. We've seen, an, I've seen enough clips of Colorado already. I'm not impressed. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to lay it out there. I didn't realize um, they could afford to pay for a camera crew at, at Colorado. Well, they can't play. They can't afford to pay refs for their scrimmages because they always have young kids out there refing. Um, but the spring game that I caught the most of yesterday, next to Nebraska, actually did catch my attention, and it was the Wisconsin spring game. Yep, yeah, that's I caught that actually when I got home. So I think I watched the maybe second half of that off and on. Yeah, and man, uh, well, first off. Let's call it what it is. Luke Fickle is inheriting a team in a better spot than than Matt Rule is at Nebraska. I'm I'm not gonna try and pump rainbows up our up our asses there. I think that's kind of why he took the job and why Rule was brought here and Fickle was went there. Mm-hmm. That being said, their spring game impressed me because of the way the the offense looked more wide open, mm-hmm. um, much closer to Ohio State except for they really utilize the tight ends in the passing game. And good for them. They've had great tight ends for years that they just don't utilize. Um, that that team's going to be interesting this year, I think. Adding that element. I mean, you still have the best running back in the Big Ten. I, I don't think it, I don't think that's up for debate, even with the Michigan kid. Ooh. I got to debate you on that one, but we can do that on another day. No, no, let's hear it. I mean – Keep keep in mind, I'm not saying the best future NFL running back. I'm saying yeah. the best Big Ten running back. I see. I I thought Corum, if Corum would have stayed healthy, won the Heisman last year. To me, um, and I love Braylon Allen. I love uh, Mo Ibrahim for reference. Um, Donovan Edwards, another back I like. To me, Corum just ran. I don't want to say different because that's that's really cliche. But, but he Corum, did. But he he did. He. Um, that offensive line did him a lot of favors last year, and he's a tremendously talented running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that Corum, fully healthy for the entire year, is is a different beast. But I love uh, Braylon Allen and what he brings to Wisconsin. I think they're different kind of backs, but Braylon Allen fits what Wisconsin wanted to do and kind of what they want to do now under Fickle. Yeah, I, I give – I think Blake Corum is a much better running back in any type of system, right? Like, and in any conference. I, I think if you put them both in the SEC, Blake Corum's starting over Braylon Allen. I think for what you have to get done for the majority of the Big Ten conference season, Braylon Allen is is number one, and it's head and shoulders above the rest. Um, that being said, I think Blake Corum is going to get paid a lot better in the NFL because he can do so much more. I just think Braylon Allen, he just has that extra element of it takes three to four guys to take him down. Um, You can get lucky with Corum and get him down with one or two. 
Braylon Allen, you you can know what is coming. It's going through the A gap, and it's still going to take three to four guys to stop him. And so, and that's why I give him the leg up in terms of Big Ten running backs. That's fair. That's fair. If I gave you Braylon Allen, uh, the comparison of Jonathan Taylor, not just because they're both Wisconsin guys, but pretty fair comparison, I would say, right? I don't think so. You don't think so? No, because Jonathan Taylor, you know, he's involved. He was involved in the passing game. Um, Braylon Allen really isn't. I, I guess I was thinking more of, more of pure runners, like just guys that have track speed, um, ability I think to do a little bit of everything. But I guess Allen hasn't showcased it like Taylor has. I th- I think from from a standpoint of what has been shown on paper. And this is a shitty comparison too, because he's so much faster. But I think he's a lot closer to a Monty Ball. Okay, I, that's fair because Monty Ball wasn't really necessarily involved so much in the pass game, and just more of a pure runner. Uh, yeah. So, so that's a fair comparison, I would say. I, I don't think that that does a disservice to him by any stretch of the imagination. I believe that. I mean, Monty Ball the still it. holds the single season touchdown record. But. That's what I was gonna say. Like he's he's still up there. Like that's not disrespect at all to him. I, I do feel like under Fickle, he's going to have the chance to show off a little bit more of that well-rounded game, which does yeah, great he might, for his NFL future. He might get to show more of a – why can't I think of him? He, he torched Nebraska, the other Wisconsin running oh, back. Oh, uh, G- Gordon. Yeah, he, he might Gordon. get to show a little bit more of a Melvin Gordon game style. I still think he's a far harder runner than Melvin Gordon was. But, you know, Melvin Gordon had some good years in the pros as a hard runner, too. So, yeah, I mean, I think he got a Super Bowl ring within the last couple of years, not necessarily playing, but as a backup on the team. He didn't. I thought he did. With who? I don't fucking know. I thought I seen him with the Super Bowl ring this offseason. Maybe not. I don't. I don't. I don't think Melvin got, got one. All right. Well, I'm going to look here real quick. Because he see. spent so much time with the Chargers and the Broncos. Um, you know, and I could just be talking out of my ass and don't know what I'm talking about because that's how I do things normally. Um, so let's see. He was with the Chargers and Broncos. Wow. No, he was on the practice squad for Kansas City. So he won his first Super Bowl ring by being on the practice squad. This year? Boom, boom. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to take my one chance where I'm writing <laughs> and completely be an asshole about it. Um, but, yeah, this last year. I, I, I was shocked he went to the practice squad, but. I wasn't. I mean, he, he's at the, he's at the end of his career. I mean, that knee that knee is, is pretty tore up. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of wear and tear that that guy had from Wisconsin and then playing about a decade in the league. So, good for him yeah. for getting his ring, but. Uh, yeah, that's no, that's that, I'm glad you brought that up because Wisconsin's one that I everybody was making fun of their stadium and all this because they also had their spring game indoors, which I could give a shit less either way. Did Same they have thing it with, indoors? I thought they did. Um, it looked pretty empty. It, w- it was seen. empty. I know half the stadium was closed for renovations. So I'm pretty sure it was outdoors. Was it? God damn it. I should really research this stuff before we start talking. Spring game. Um, I know um, Minnesota's was um, out yeah, indoors. Minnesota mo- Minnesota's moved theirs indoors. And you definitely knew that from the terrible camera angle. It was a terrible camera angle. And I, I guess one of the cool, the good things about Minnesota being the first game, although it sucks that it's a 
conference game is Minnesota is a, a slow starter. That first game is going to be sloppy as hell. Yeah, and, um, and no Mo Ibrahim left. No, and that's they have a lot of transition all over the place in the wide receiver room and the running back room. Hell, even the quarterback room because Morgan's gone. Yeah, like yeah. that's that's uh, a lot of transition. Not necessarily I, that Morgan's good, but I think they come back to reality this year um, of who they really are. Yeah, they've had some exceptional players the last few years. Um, maybe not necessarily all over the field, but at certain spots like Ibrahim, I thought he should have went pro last year after he tore the Achilles. Like I was like, dude, go go pro, get your money. I get why he came back um, and was disrespected by not winning comeback player of the year. But you had him, you had, you know, uh, Morgan for the last few years, who wasn't great, but he was steady enough at the quarterback position. Um, you had Bateman back in the day at, at wide receiver. An offensive line that was one of the most senior ones in the country the last few years. Like, a very experienced offensive line as well. And then even on the defense, like, you had multiple NFL guys. Yeah. That, yeah. that doesn't yeah, grow yeah. on trees, but we'll see just, what, Fleck, what Fleck can actually do now this year. There's been a lot said about Fleck by players transferring out about, you know, being kind of a grimy businessman and this and that. I think it's going to get pretty rough for him moving forward. Yeah. I, I, does it feel like he's overstayed his welcome in Minnesota and maybe it's about time to move on to the next gig? Cause he wears on people with his shtick. I think from a national perspective, yeah. I think Minnesota fans still love him. I mean, he his culture has not changed. He, If he is what he says he is, his, his message has not changed his entire time at, at Minnesota. He's gotten results to the tune of, I mean, I think averaging eight to nine wins a year, which for Minnesota is fabulous. Shit, at yeah. Nebraska, that would be fabulous right now. Mm-hmm. He's just been a really steady head coach, and yeah, other – other people may not like him. Other fan base might not like him, but Minnesota fans, even though that's like the fifth or sixth draw in town, seem to be pretty drawn to him still to this day. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let me let me bring this up. This is just, I'm just going to show you this really quickly. Um, check out my phone. This Twitter debate is going nonstop, so I'm going to bring it up. Oh yeah, we the, yeah. Let's go I want see your you opinion. Got. So I tweeted out a thread today, and I'm not going to keep up with this argument anymore. I'm I'm pretty much done with it myself. True or false, in your opinion, Bo Pelini's success early on that ultimately carried him to his success at the end should be greatly attributed to the recruiting prowess of Bill Callahan. True, 100% true. Thank you. So you you can't you can't really argue that even. I mean, you've seen what he did with a lot of the guys that Callahan had on roster. Um I'm just going to throw a big one out there that everyone talks about in Dominican Sue who almost transferred out um until Prince of Mukamara. Prince of Mukamara is another great one. You could probably name a bunch of guys on that defensive side of the ball that were pretty I'll say probably pretty fed up with what Nebraska defense was at the time. Um, yeah, and, absolutely. And Bo Pelini was that that change that they needed. I mean, you've seen how quickly they turned it. 
Yes, absolutely. I completely agree. I think both Polini took a very talented roster and made them very salty and competitive very quickly and easily. Now, what I will say that led to his downfall was he did not ever build off of it. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is he did not, you know, hey, look at what we did with Ndamukong Su. Look at how good Joe Gans was when we took over. Look at, you know, Prince of Mukamara, Alfonso Dennard. Like, all he did was... You had dudes get then, into the league. Yeah, and then two, at the end of his tenure, he was searching so hard for the next Levante David, the next Eric Hag, and he was only, in my opinion, now... Bo, if you want to come on and correct me, I'd, I'd love to have you. Uh, yeah, you can but, come on here and yell at us. We'll be fine with that. Yeah, yeah. I think Bo just was so dedicated to finding those guys with chips on their shoulders that were under-recruited that he could develop that he was he never went and got the high-end talent. Now, obviously, he brought in a guy like Rex Burkhead and Amir Abdullah who who were great and you know are still having good pro careers. But Bo just – he never took the next step he he was what he was, and I would argue that it was pretty obvious that it was now in a downward trend at the end of his tenure, not only from a recruiting standpoint, but play on the field standpoint. So I I hold this belief, and you can argue with me. I, I wouldn't mind if you did. I, I see both sides of this argument. I hold this belief, though, if Bill Callahan fires Kevin Crosgrove, and moves on from him and hires a real defensive coordinator. Bill Callahan is winning conference titles and competing in BCS bowl games because his offense was not ever really the problem after year one. So you want me to argue that or agree with that statement? I, I just want your opinion. I want your um, opinion. No, I, I have to say that if Callahan got rid of Cosgrove, he was recruiting on a otherworldly level. Like he, we Bill had Callahan's, the recruiting class. Exactly. Under Bill Callahan, Getting talent was not the problem. Once again, <laughs> um, putting and and off on the offensive side of the ball, that wasn't the problem either. It was on the defensive side of the ball. You had guys there. You had no idea how to utilize those guys, and you had no idea how to put those guys in a position to be successful under Cosgrove. Like, no offense, to Cosgrove, but he had some very talented guys that he was not able to coach. When you bring in a guy. Like Bo Pelini, who had you know experience at Oklahoma, LSU, in the pros, like someone that knows how to work with those personalities and those highly talented athletes. Look what he was able to do. I mean, you almost won a Big 12 national championship with a defensive tackle almost winning Heisman at the same time. And not because your offense put up 50 points. No, because your defense was good enough to keep Texas down the entire game and sack Colt and and just pretty much assault Colt McCoy the entire time. If you you could easily convince me if we had another year or two of Joe, of Joe Gans when Bo took over, that team was competing for a national title. Because think about who had to play quarterback after Joe left. Zach Lee. That's, yeah. And, and Gans, I mean, they hit gold with Gans because that was one of the luckiest pulls I feel like they could have made because he was a supremely talented guy who could sling the ball around. Just, I, I feel like his well, place was, he was, was a Callahan was, recruit. He was, uh, I just feel like, yeah, I, I feel like if you had a, a year more with him and you could keep a lot of those guys around on the defensive side of the ball, it's hard that they wouldn't be in the top 
10 for for the next year. I mean, yeah, that was exactly. a, a freakishly talented team. And you had no offense. I just, and you still won nine my, games. Yeah, my my complaint with with Bo, and it's not really a complaint, it's more of an observation, is Bo took over a Bill Callahan team, made some minor adjustments on offense and major adjustments on defense, and rode that to nine games consistently for seven years and never did anything to elevate it. And at the time of his firing, even if he hadn't dared Eichhorst to fire him, I still think it was time to move on because nothing was changing. Now, it's the same thing at the end of the year, every year. Yes. Now, do I think we should have replaced him with who we replaced him with? Absolutely not. Do I think it's hard to justify firing a coach for for nine wins consistently? Yes, I do with the place that we're in now. (laughs) It's pretty tough to justify that now. But keep in mind, like we fired Frank after after going. I I, I'm going to give him ten and seven, even though. Well, no, he came back the next year. Oh yeah, won nine games. Yeah, he got fired. Bo was the interim. We won our tenth game. Yep, good call. Ten and three. Like, I'm sorry. I like at that time. A lot of people didn't like it, and a lot of people did. It was probably 50-50 down the fan base. But what was the reason behind that? Nebraska is about winning championships. And even during Bo's tenure, we still were in that place where we felt like we should be competing for championships. And we had seen two conference title games in seven years. And we were in weaker divisions both times. I mean, I guess the Big Ten at one point didn't have divisions while we were there. Mm-hmm. But Big 12 North was still pretty bad, and we only got to one. Big 10 West, for most of Bo's tenure, wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. And we started getting blown out on national television regularly. Like At that point, it was definitely time to move on. And I'm sorry if that's hard for people to hear because we haven't won nine games since. Like, that's, not the, that's not the same conversation. We can't be moving the goalposts. Like, the goalposts when that happened were what they were, and they were to compete for titles. Yeah. Um, and just because the program has had eight years of, let's be honest, subpar play is putting it pretty, pretty nicely. Um, doesn't mean that honestly, that the, the goals right now can't be championships. It's gotta be getting to a bowl game, but it's hard to, at the end of the day, move those goalposts from when you're a championship almost every year at least in contention, to, hey, yes. we, we just got to win six games at this point. Like, that's tough for people to swallow. Yeah, and we, we've talked about this, right? Like, I I firmly believe at every level, whether it's basketball, baseball, football, whatever, there's a program ceiling, there's a coach ceiling, and then there's a ceiling for the two of them. Bo had hit his ceiling at Nebraska, without a doubt. Yeah, it was nine, Nebraska, nine games. Nebraska ceiling is potential – national championships championships like you've done it before you can do it again it does it may not be easy but it can happen because it's already happened once like or five times yeah the program's actual ceiling should be national titles bo's ceiling even with nebraska because of his inability to recruit was never more than 10 games like i mean if you're if you're not getting past 10 games in seven years when all you've done is one nine like that's pretty clear 
Yeah, I think he was able to get game changers on the defensive side of the ball. He was just never able to really get enough game changers on the offensive side of the ball. And I also feel like his coordinators, albeit they've been successful kind of moving around the NCAA and into different power five jobs. I don't really feel like he ever had a standout coordinator on the offensive side of the ball. I guess I shouldn't say Polini. Carl Polini was one either on the defense, but I mean, you just never saw a standout coordinator or a real standout guy though, either. You could also convince me if he doesn't run Sean Watson out after year one, I get we we can call it run out. We can call it let whatever Sean Watson walk yeah. what, whatever it is. If Sean Watson sticks around for a few more years, we're probably more competitive. Like yeah, imagine Sean fair. Watson. Sean Sean Watson was a lone holdover to manage the offense, but if you hold on to Sean Watson when we have Taylor Martinez, who knows what happens? Yeah, and 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 Watson. Um... You know, I believe he's the head coach of, I thought it was North Carolina. No, no. He, I know he just got a head coaching gig, I believe. Um, or maybe I'm thinking of Tim Beck, which was another coordinator here. One of the two. But, you know, yeah, it just, I feel like he always was missing that standout guy. Sean um, Watson and, is the head coach at Wolford. Wolford. Okay. Well, that's a division one AA school. So, hey, good for him for getting a spot. But, Tim Beck is the OC at NC State. Okay, so I got – I was kind of right. Not really, but kind of. At least I had the places right. Um, So do you think if – okay, I want to throw a hypothetical here. So let's say they keep Callahan, but they were able to bring Bowen as a DC. That's got to be a top 10 caliber team, top 5 caliber team with what they had returning. Yeah, but we both know that's – not even a realistic possibility. No, we're just talking fairy tale. They they point. hired they hired Bill over Bo the first time. Um I think shit. I think if you get if you get Bill Callahan to hire Mark Banker, Mark Banker's defense was improving. Yeah, he, he got he got a raw deal when he got thrown out for uh Diaco. Yeah, on a recruiting visit, by the way. I'm still salty about that one. Um, you don't say. But yeah, I just I almost anybody else. If you hire hire back the guy who's the head coach at Wyoming, you're you're in better oh, Bull? shape. Yeah, Craig Bull? Craig Bull. You bring Craig Bull back to run that defense. Um yeah, it's just it's it's unbelievable. And you know this is going to sound sacrilegious and going to piss some people off too. But if Tom Osborne doesn't get in his feels about the walk-on program and everything that Callahan changed and just tells Callahan that he has to hire a new DC instead of shit canning it all together, are we in a better place today? I I think we are. Um, Now that's not like a slight against Tom. I, Tom has his own views and, Tom knows way more about football than I ever would. I, I wonder what Tom would look like today as a head coach, not on his deathbed, but in, in his in his youth. Uh, because I think he looks similar to Mac Brown. Yeah, I, I really do. <laughs> I, I I think the program, like if Tom was still coaching today in his prime, um, I think we would have advanced to the spread option much sooner. Uh, we would still have power run. Like that team would, 
that team would still be dangerous under Tom. And Tom wanted people to come do things his way, which is why he did what he did, even though nobody can do it Tom's way. Tom was Tom. Um, and I, I don't know, man. I like, I'm not, I'm not here as a Callahan apologist. I just, I don't think Callahan was as bad as we, as we, as a fan base like to make him out to be considering he's still the best offensive line mind in football. Um, he recruited at a very high level here. He made a junior college quarterback who was just gritty and offensive player of the year. Like Callahan did some good things here. It just didn't always translate. And part of that was because he did bring a bad staff and that ultimately does go, fall on him. But at the same time, we've given three coaches that, that ultimatum now, like, Hey, you have to fire somebody or you're going to, and Bill never got that opportunity. Well, you know, that always goes well when you force someone to do something they don't want to do and threaten their job with it. But what'd you think of uh Solis coming back? I thought it I was uh, it. a hell of a gesture that they pulled off. I liked it. I liked, you know, I loved um, Matt Rule calling a timeout after the first play, giving him the game ball. I loved Frank, you know, uh, on Friday night giving a speech and saying, consider the curse gone. Uh, I, I I loved all of it. Um, Frank was done dirty by this program. Absolutely. And, and the lack of outreach to him at all is fucking asinine. Yeah. And I know part of that was he didn't like, he was very jaded too. Like, I know that's part of it. I would be too, but, but at the same time, you at least got to shoot that happy birthday text. Hey Frank, no, happy absolutely. birthday! How you doing? Hey, and you know what? Above all else, the best part of this for me was I tweeted out this video of Trev on ESPN right after they fired Frank, agreeing with the firing. And I was just, I was just making a joke. It was, I wasn't really taking shots at Trev, but the most, like, coming full circle, Trev being a part of this, and and you know. Being the bigger person, like, hey, I, I was wrong, uh, essentially, is what happened. And being the guy to bring him back with, with Rule really struck the feels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there were definitely some uh, allergies going on in the stadium when they brought Frank out and Trev was giving a speech and everything. Um, I, and I said, you know, Trev gets it. Like, he's a Nebraska guy. We all know that. Went to school here. Um, it came back and, and, Let's talk with a uh, UNL professor at yesterday. He's like, this was Trev's dream job. Coming back to the University of Nebraska's AD was his dream job. Well, he's got his dream job now. And you can tell it because he's done everything right thus far to get this program to succeed um, and essentially get rid of any bad juju that was in our minds holding it back, whether it be Frank, whether it be old Herbie, whether it be anything else you could think of. They're trying to rid the program of all this bad juju. And I think Can we this, talk about old Herbie real quick. Uh, old Herbie or new off. Herbie? <laughs> old new Herbie. I was going to say like I like he, old new Herbie. He just looks like he did a couple of rails with Harrison Beck. Okay, first of all, how dare you speak ill of the throw god? <laughs> Who is out of his In all four mind. of his teeth. Oh man, I watched his videos again the other day, and he's just. I don't, I don't know what went wrong there, but 
something is just not clicking on all cylinders for old Harrison. It's or see. or they are clicking and he's just raking in money. I, yeah, I mean, that could be the case. I don't think his videos were getting a ton of views based on some of the shit he was saying in them. But, um, Dude, he, he's on Spotify now for his his Screamo music. Wait, he does Screamo music? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I I now know what I need to listen to. Um, I got to look up some Harrison Beck Screamo, screamo music. Uh, Harrison. Who? Uh, who gave him a microphone and said, hey, it's okay to scream into a microphone? Who gave us a fucking microphone, Zach? That's also very true. Um, that's very true. Well, that's what happens when I bought a microphone. <laughs> 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 well, Drake, let's put let's put the uh, let's put the bow on this bitch. Uh, you got anything else you want to chat about before we get going for the evening? No, I am all set, buddy. I think we knocked out just about everything we could. Uh, overall, spring game was what it was. It was a practice. It was great to see Frank get honored and and them to take the time and bring Herbie out on the on the motorcycle and everything. It was it was kind of a cool thing just to be there and and see it. Um, but it was great to have Frank back. Like I said, the curse is oh, gone absolutely. now. Absolutely, it's going to be great going fifteen and zero every year. Nebraska will never lose a game again unless it's in baseball. <laughs> in which we get yeah. swept, unfortunately. We're not even going to talk about that because I don't want to bring any bad juju into it. So let's cut <laughs> it right here. Drake, thanks for joining me tonight, buddy. Uh, we've got some fun guests coming up in the next couple of weeks, so we'll let everyone know about them um, here soon. But for Drake, for myself, thanks for joining us to everybody on Church of the Corn. Have a good night, and we'll talk to you all later. Members of the congregation, let's raise our Kool-Aid-filled glasses and drink to all the things that were are, and forever will be Nebraska Cornhuskers. Go Big Red. A Herd at Sports Network production.